listening to a Clovis Hills podcast, you're about to hear from one of our teaching pastors. I want to encourage you, go download the Clovis Hills app where you can listen to sermons, you can give, you can do the growth group questions. They're on there too. And you can study God's word together. God bless you guys and go be the church. Hey, happy Mother's Day to all the moms in the room. And uh, it's a good day, ladies. We thank you. Good morning to those of you watching online. Those of you that are over at old, our Old Town campus right now, good morning to you guys, all the moms in the room there too. It's just a good day. Uh, Mother's Day is a great thing. We uh, also did something today called Carry the Load. Where, uh, they uh, they rem- remember veterans and those who have served in the military. And uh, our men's ministry is out, uh, ma- has made a pancake breakfast for all, all the moms and kids. And, and the dads, we're all sneaking sausages in there too. So it, it's, it's super good. You know, Pastor Scott talked about our service time change, and um, like one of the things that, that we, we really, God has just been on the move at Clovis Hills over the last couple months, and um, I don't know if you know this, but last, uh, last week, we baptized 18 people at Clovis Hills. That's an amazing thing. Like, it just, people are coming to Jesus, people are coming back to church, um, or coming back to our church service, I should say. Who's the church? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. So, um, but the, the point I make, we're going back to 9 and 1030, and people have asked about what about the evening service. Uh, we will be in the f- probably early fall, late summer, beginning a Sunday evening at 6 o'clock service. So um, I encourage you to that. If you want to come to that, that's going to be a great service. And we'll get, we'll get going on that. We're working to put that together as well, too. But uh, I don't know if you realize, as full as it feels in here, we actually took out 60% of the chairs that were normally in this room compared to a year and a half ago. So we're still only probably running about 30% of our full capacity in a, in, in a room, even as full as it is today on, on, on a Mother's Day. So we will be uh, kind of bringing them back together and it'll help our children's ministry as well. I encourage you guys, man, God is just doing great things. And ne- I wanna invite you back next week because next week we're gonna talk about some of the really cool things God's doing. I wanna get into more details on it, but we're actually gonna be opening up two brand new Clovis Hills campuses in the next year. Um, one in the Bay Area, one, um, one, one here in Fresno. It's just, it's, it's a great thing. So, um, but today is Mother's Day, right? And this is your day, ladies. And our creative team has actually put together a little uh, video to just uh, honor mom. So go ahead and fix your eyes on the screen. Oh, that's great. That, that is great. You know, um, Motherhood, right? Be, because going to the bathroom in private is overrated. <laughs> How many moms do we have? Uh, with, if you're a mom right now and you have kids under five years old, just raise your hand. God bless you all. <laughs> God bless you all. That's hard work. You know, a toddler um, can do more in an unsupervised minute than most people can do in a week. <laughs> it's, cra- it's crazy to me. And uh, you know, I, I, was, I was talking about this in the early service, and then I, I, I was going around greeting people during this service, and I asked one family, I'm like, hey, what did you get your mom? And, the, and the, the daughter was like, me, the best daughter ever? And she goes, best daughter ever? You should ask your grandma about that. Anyway, so um, today we're going to be reading out of First uh, John chapter uh, 2, verse 1. And I thought it was a very appropriate Mother's Day uh, verse. And we're not going to read the whole, the whole passage. We're just going to read the verse. We're going to stick on this verse today. Because um, 
One, one it, it, it talks about uh, Jesus being the advocate. And I, I want to give you just a little Bible lesson really quick for those of you that are beginners um, in, in the Bible. So the Apostle John, um, he wrote five different books that are in the New Testament. He wrote the Gospel of John, and that's, that's the, the story of Jesus, right? He's telling his time with Jesus, the three years of Jesus' ministry. And then later, he wrote three letters, which Christians have called 1 John, 2 John, and 3 John. They're different than the Gospel of John. That gets confusing because you're like, open to John, which one, right? So then he also wrote the book of Revelation. So you've got kind of bookends, and then you have his letters, 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, in the middle. So... I'm going to read to you from 1 John, his letter, chapter 2, verse 1, and I want to read it to you. He says, My dear children, I write this so that you will not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. So, When you read this, the the very first thing that John, the way John addresses the Christians of that day is he says, my little children. And he's using this word, um, a word that uh, in Greek is, is, it's technon. And what it means is, it's actually a word that mothers would use for their children. It was a term of endearment. And he's talking to these these Christians, and he's calling them my little children. And there's this sense in the scriptures, you you get that God is the father, but there's also this element, Jesus when he's riding into Jerusalem on a donkey. He's riding in, and this is, he knows he's going into Jerusalem to be arrested. You know, he looks over the city of Jerusalem b- before he comes down, and it says that he begins to weep over Jerusalem. He begins, begins to cry over Jerusalem. And, he, and, and the, gospel, um, the gospel writers recorded that, that he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, oh, how I long to gather you like a mother hen does its chicks. And he wasn't talking to like the city and the municipality. He was talking to God's people. That, that God has this sense that he wants to gather us to him like a, like a mother hen do, does chicks. And John, right here, he's saying, my dear children, and he's using that, that, that same kind of phrase. And he says, I write this so that you will not sin. Now, I also want to debunk a common misnomer among Christian among Christians and Christianity. So one of the things that happens is when you, if you become a Christian, um, the Bible says that you are forgiven of all of your sin. That that what Christ did on the cross covers your sin, past, present, future. God doesn't care where you've been; He cares where you're going, right? But it covers all of your sin. There's no sin you could do on this planet that is more powerful than what Jesus did on the cross. That's good news, right? Yeah, it's really good news. It's because I'm looking out here and some of you, man. Kidding, kidding, I kid, I kid. Listen, here's the thing though, is all of our sin is forgiven. But for some reason, we think that um, as Christians, we need to um, never sin again. And then what, what happens is, we, the, the truth is, the Bible's really clear that for all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, the Bible says the heart is deceitful to no end. It says that we are sinful to no end. We never lost our sin nature. Even though we're a new creation, God is making something new in us, we're still sinful. We still sin. But here's what Christians do, is we pretend that we don't because we think it's going to make Jesus look bad. So what happens is we put on this front that nothing's wrong, that everything's great, 
praise the Lord, my life is an Instagram account, and I never sin anymore. And, you know, if someone comes to church with something wrong, something must be wrong. And see, the, the truth of the matter is, we're just lying to ourselves if that's the case. And th- that leads me to point number one in this sermon. If, if you have your outline in the Clovis Hills app, you can pull it out, is this. Guys, Christians are not sinless. But when you f- follow Jesus, you should sin less. So, so I, I just want you to understand that concept. No one in this room right now, including the guy on the pulpit, is perfect. We're, none of us are sinless. The only person sinless was Jesus. But here's what happens when, when you begin a relationship with Christ. You're forgiven of your sin. And if you, begin, if you point your heart toward Jesus and make him your Lord, what will happen is over time, God will be working on, on you. And he'll be making you that new creation that you're, you're supposed to be. And you will sin less over time. That, that's how it works. So you're not sinless. But as you follow Jesus, you will sin less, if that makes sense. And this is why it says in 1 John 2, 1, right? If you look at it, put it up there, 1 John 2, 1, it says, My dear children, I write this so you will not sin, that you will not sin. But here's the thing. John was really clear. He, in the previous chapter, in chapter 1 of 1 John, he, he spells it out that all of us sin. He says in John 1, 8, 1 John 1, 8, it says, If we claim to be without sin, right? If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. We talked about that two weeks ago, that the heart is utterly deceitful, that we will just lie to ourselves, we'll tell ourselves what we want to hear, we'll minimize, we'll justify all that. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. See, the thing is, with with sin, it's really interesting, is there's something in us, though, that we want to hide it. We don't want people to see it. We don't want God to see it. When Adam and Eve sinned, they hid. Um, When we sin, we pretend it's not there. We do all, all that stuff. And I was thinking about it yesterday. I went um, four by fouring with some guys. And they've got, they have this whole track and they were jumping them and it was super fun. But I remember while we're out there, there's dirt flying everywhere and dust clouds everywhere. There was this little girl and she probably two years old tops. And she got out of the car and she had this pristine white dress on. And I was like, oh no, (laughs) you know. That is not going to stay clean. And this is what I want you to understand. That Jesus cleanses us of our sins, but we're out in the mud still. And he's going to keep forgiving us. And, and, here's, and this, is, this is the thing about sin is a good mom, like, and I saw the mom and I said, you're going to have to throw that dress away. And she goes, well, well, we'll soak it in bleach and then we might. But it'll be fine. And I was like, good mom, good job. And the little girl got to play and get dirty and it, it was fine. But if you, you're a mom and you have a little girl and you're the little girl and you've got this pristine white dress on and you're ready to go to church on Sunday, ready to go to Clovis Hills, and, and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go and you get your skirt dirty, you get your pristine white dress, you've got dirt on it now. There's two things you could do. You could try and hide the dirt, right? You could, when mom comes in the living room, you could go to your bedroom. When mom leaves the living room, you could go back to the living room. You could, when she walks by, fold it up over the dirt. But the dirt is still there. You're not pristine. You're not cleansed. The dirt is still there. Or the little girl can just be honest. And if it's a good mom, she can say, Mommy, I, I, I got my dress dirty. And the mom will take care of it. See, and this is what 
God does to us. But so often, I'm as guilty of it as you, we find ourselves hiding the dirt, hiding the sin, going in the other room, running from God, rather than coming to him with our sin. One of the practices, this is just a little tidbit for you, you can take, you can use it if, if you want, is um, I, I was taught that you know, I should just confess my sin all the time, that, I, that that should be a regular habit of mine. So what, what I do is in the morning, in my quiet time, a lot of times I'll, I'll, I'll just admit to God, I'm a sinner, Lord, uh, Holy Spirit, please reveal any sin in my life, and if he does, it's great, and I confess it. But then I try and do it throughout the day as well. And what I learned was I'll never stop and just think about my sin or anything like that. But if I'm waiting in line or I'm waiting for something, right, I can just have this inner conversation with the Lord. And one of the times I do it on a regular basis is typically um, I, I am what you call an addict and I am addicted to caffeine. So I make a pot of coffee every day in the church office. And um, I also am not a very patient person. So we have this water machine thing that puts out filtered water and it, um, the water flows from it um, like a snail with arthritis in the dead of winter. And it feels like six hours as the water just trickles into the coffee pot. And I just stand there and I'm so impatient. It drives me crazy. But what I've learned to do now is while the water is pouring, I just, Father, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin separates me from you, Lord. If I have any sin in my life right now, would you help me confess it? I had already done it in the morning, but I'll I'll let you in on a little secret. From the time I wake up in the morning, by the time I get to work, I've sinned. You know, and there'll be times where God's like, well, when you were impatient with, with, your, with your child or you, you, know, you, you spoke harshly to your wife or you spoke harshly to an employee or that thing you said to the person at the red light um, in your, under your breath or on and on and on. And then I'll just go, I'm sorry, Lord, please forgive me. And then sometimes there's nothing. I don't get anything. And I don't feel like, oh, I got it now. No, I just, what happens is I just hear the waterfall and I have to pee. But anyway, so... What it says, though, John says in verse 9, 1 John 1, 1, 9, he says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So if you make a habit in your life of confessing your sins on a regular basis, you don't have to go to a priest. You don't have to confess it to another person. You can confess it to God. That's the beauty. That's the good news of the gospel is those who believe in Jesus are connected to the Father. And then this is the coolest part because part number two in the outline is the righteous one. Or, or I'm sorry, not the righteous one, the, the, the one who comes alongside. The reason you can take it right to the Father is this. Look what it says in verse 1, 1 John 2, 1. It says this, it says, But if anybody does sin, but if anybody does sin, we have an advocate. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous one. So that word, advocate, I don't know if you know what it means, but um, it's a Greek word, and it's a word called paraclete. Everyone say paraclete. Okay? Five, oh, you, that was weak. This room is full. And so one of you, I heard like two voices go, paraclete. <laughs> the paraclete is, um, you find that word five times in the New Testament. 
Four of the times it's referring to the Holy Spirit. The other time it's referring to Jesus. It says right here in this verse, the paraclete, the advocate is Jesus, the righteous one, right? So I want you to think about this. The paraclete, it's a word that para means to come alongside. It's the one who comes alongside. And this is what this means, is that because we sin all the time, Jesus comes alongside us and takes us to the Father. That we have access to God because he's our advocate. He comes alongside us. As a young, young boy, it's, you know, I don't know. I'm just going to let you in on a little bit of my life. But I don't know if you knew this, but I was actually pr- pretty naughty when I was a little guy. You guys look surprised, I can tell. Now, um, at one point in my life, my parents had uh, a couple acres, and they had this barn, and it was, it was a great place to grow up. And I remember one, one day, I got a, a, a spray, can of spray paint, and I just decided I was going to write some things on the barn. And um, that did not go well for me. And I remember I did it, and you know, you know when you've done something wrong, and the minute you do it, you're like, oh, no. Oh, no, I can't undo spray paint. I'm going to be in trouble. My dad, Marine, 32 years, Master Gunnery Sergeant in the Marine Corps. Like, I knew I'm a dead man. And he, you know, I'm going to be in big trouble. There's going to be corporal punishment. This might be one of those days where I hear, boy, go pick yourself a switch. And um, my mom said, when your father gets home, hide. Hide. I will take care of him. See, she was my advocate. This is Jesus for us, that he goes to the Father on our behalf for us. And she calmed my father down. Yes, I got in trouble, but not as much as I would have. But the good news of the gospel is that Jesus goes to God and any punishment, the wrath of God is all subsided on what Jesus did on the cross. He was the advocate. This is what a good mom does. Mom is a great advocate for their children. So I thought, because we're doing Carry the Load today and it's Mother's Day, I thought it'd be really cool if we interviewed a mom. Not only a mom, but she's also a lieutenant colonel in the Air Force. It's, uh, her name is Heather Yamamoto. So give a hand for Heather. She's going to come on up. Yeah. What's up? Good morning. Okay. So Heather is, uh, Heather and I, we're in a growth group together, and we've been in it for a while, and I just, um, I... I begged you to do this because I thought it would be great for, for this, this day. And I know, like, you do a lot of things in, the, in, in this world. Like, you're, you're a, a, an officer in the military. You're a mom. You're, a hu- you're not a husband. You're a wife, right? You're, you know, you have a CrossFit ministry. You're in our refined school of theology. You're in our growth group. Like, you do a lot. And, um, you know, that's a lot of things you're juggling in life. How do you, how do, you, how do, you do it? First and foremost. Uh, two things, um, Jesus and coffee. Amen. <laughs> uh, so honestly, I do love coffee. Um, but I start my day every day with some quiet time. And it's a discipline that I've had to hone um, over the years because life is busy even at 4 a.m. Uh, and so I start my day with that. And the other thing is join a growth group. Um, surrounding yourself with mature Christians who can speak life into you and who can help, you know, kind of get you on the right path when you start to go astray, I think are game changers. No, that's great. So um, what is it that, that kind of drew you into the Air Force? Like, how, how did you get in, into the Air Force? Money for college. 
Money for college, okay. Uh, I, truth be told, I was pretty ambitious. Um, I wanted to be a firefighter or paramedic, and I also uh, wanted to earn my college degree, and I knew that there was no way that my family would be able to pay for all that, and so um, I heard about uh, the opportunity to serve and that you get money for college, and so I did it. That's cool, and you know, you're, you're an officer, and um, it's, it's very clear, even if you weren't an officer, you're a leader, where you go, like, you know, you kind of have that thing in you. So how is like leading um, people, like strangers and adults and people that are under your care, um, similar to say motherhood? You know, it's surprising um, the similarities between leading people and being a mom. Uh, And not because I work with kids, I work with the most amazing adults um, in the world. They are unbelievably talented. Um, But the truth is that, In both cases, you know, you have um, power and you have authority, uh, but more than that, you have a responsibility. You have a responsibility to care for people, to look after them, um, to know what they want, but more than that, to know what they need uh, and to give them that. So you talk about caring for people, right? Um, And in a a conversation on the phone I had with you, one of the things you, you talked about is this value you have for servant leadership. Right. So how, do, how does that work in the military being a servant leader and how does that work with your, your, ki- your kids and, and, and your, your spouse? You know, um, I think I heard about servant leadership and to be honest, it was hard to understand at first because um, in the military, we're a very hierarchical organization and leaders are expected to be in the front and to be leading and uh, to have all the answers and to do all the things. And it's almost, you know, counter culture. It's um, hard to understand how the first can be last. Um, but really, you know, servant leadership is just about understanding what people need and putting those needs first. It's about um, knowing what my people need, knowing what my family needs, and putting that above what I need or what I want. No, that's great. So here, here's what I, I've noticed. Um, in the last year, year and a half, um, you, you know, you've, you've, since I've known you, you followed Jesus, but really like watched you kind of spiritually skyrocket in the last year, year and a half. And we, we've talked about this already, but I want you to tell them like, what is it? Because when I, when I'm in growth group, you know, like your, your thoughts and your answers just like they were, they were, they were great, but wisdom just kind of flows out of you lately. It's just been flying out of you. So, so what do you attribute that to that kind of your large amount of spiritual growth in the last year? Oh, that's so simple. The Refined School of Theology um, has been a total game changer for me. And uh, I don't know when the class is going to open up next and when people can sign up. But um, if you want to learn more um, about God, if you want to learn about the Bible and the story um, of God's love and how um, and why all of those things are in there, if you want to know why Jesus had to come um, and sacrifice his life for ours, um, Refine is where it's at. That's really cool. So also... um I want to encourage you, you can, they'll leave that number up, but um, man, you, you and your husband both serve our country in the Air Force, and we appreciate it, Um, but I I think the bigger job is what you do for Brooklyn, and um, being a mom, and this year has not been easy on moms, especially working moms, Mm -hmm. and you know, with all of that coming at you, throughout the year, you know, having to school your kid at home and figure that out, but then lead, lead people in the Air Force, like, how, how, do, you, how do you stay sane? <laughs> um, you know, um, it, definitely Jesus and coffee. Um, but I think, you know, one of the things that I learned this year um, is that uh, 
Kingdom success does not look like worldly success. It doesn't look like running faster, lifting more. It doesn't look like the promotion that you thought you should have. Um, it doesn't look like your kid getting straight A's. Um, you know, kingdom success looks like um, loving people, like mm. trusting God to provide yep. when everything seems lost and hopeless and hard. Um, and that's been the biggest thing that I've learned and that's really just kept me going. That's beautiful. Give it up for Heather. Awesome. So that leads me to point number three, is the righteous one. I want to talk to you about that, right? When we read the, this, this, the, the passage, it refers to the paraclete as the, the righteous one, Jesus Christ. So I want you to think about this. In the Bible, it describes Jesus in a lot of ways. It describes Jesus as Lord, right? It describes Jesus as king. The book of Hebrews one of the descriptions for Jesus is he's the high priest. And the high priest was the one who went to God on your behalf, right? He would go to God on your behalf. It also describes Jesus in the book of Hebrews as the intercessor, the great intercessor. And what that means is that Jesus, he prays for you. He goes to God on your behalf in prayer as well too. And, and really, I think what it means many a time is when we pray, we don't even know what we're praying for sometimes. But when we pray, Jesus is hearing our prayers and he goes, oh, Father, I know Sean's praying for this, but you and I, we know what he needs. And this is what's best for him in his life. And, he, and, and he, he brings it to him in that way. But in this passage, not only does Jesus go before us, not only does Jesus pray for us, not only is Jesus our Lord, our King, he's, he can be your advocate that he can stand by you. Because here's the thing, the Bible is very clear that the, the enemy, uh, one of the words for the devil in the scripture is he is the accuser. They call him the accuser of the brethren, right? Because what he does is he looks at us and he, the, the devil knows our sin and he says to God, do you see Sean? He calls himself a Christian, calls himself a pastor. You know what he's thinking, you know what he did, you know when you know, he's so insecure and he embellished about himself and made himself cooler than he really was and you see all the sin in his life, you see all of that. How can you call him your child? And Jesus, the advocate, says, because of me. And he comes alongside you. And the Bible says this, that in John 1, 12, but as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. I want you to look what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 5. You don't need a pastor to go to God on your behalf. You don't need a priest to go to God on your behalf. You don't need your grandma to go to God on your behalf. Although all those things are great if those people will pray for you because the prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. But look what it says in 1 Timothy 2, 5. It says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man. One, Jesus Christ. There is no sin that you can commit on this planet that is greater than what Jesus has done for you on the cross. And you may be here today and you're feeling guilty or you're feeling shamed or you're feeling whatever that is. And here's what I want you to know. There is no sin greater because Jesus, the advocate, when you receive him, he comes alongside you and he takes you to the Father and you come. And there's a beautiful story in Matthew chapter 8 where um, Jesus is, is walking along this road and a leper approaches him. And normally when a leper is anywhere within people, he has to stay within 40, 50 yards of a person and he needs to warn them that he's anywhere 
near so they wouldn't get leprosy. They wouldn't be ritually unclean. They, it, you know, there was all kinds of procedures they had to have. And this leper sees Jesus and he approaches Jesus and the disciples are freaking out. It's a leper, get away. You can't touch Jesus. He's a holy man, on and on and on. You're gonna give him leprosy. And, and, and the leper says to Jesus, I know you can make me clean if you're willing. And Jesus said, I am willing. And he touches him and he says, be clean. See, the truth of the matter is, our sin is separated from God, but when you receive Jesus, the advocate, he comes alongside you. And when the the enemy accuses you of your sin, Jesus silences him. But you have to make that choice. You have to decide, am I going to receive Jesus? But as many as received him, to those who believe in his name, he's given them the right to become children of God. And I use this analogy. Imagine if I had, I gave you this credit card. It's unlimited. You could spend as much as you want and I'll just keep paying the debt on it. And I will give this to you and for eternity, Spend, spend, spend. And I'm gonna put it right here for anyone who wants it. And probably a majority in your room, you already got my unlimited credit card that I sent you in the mail after your first visit when you filled out a Connect card. <laughs> but, and, and it's the same way in the kingdom, right? That Jesus says, I offer you ultimate forgiveness if you will receive me, if you'll just take this gift of grace, if you'll receive it. But here's what we do. We go, well, that seems like a good deal, but I don't know, nothing's for free. Pastor, if I receive that grace, am I gonna have to give this up? Am I gonna have to give this up? Am I gonna have to surrender this? Am I gonna have to surrender this? And here's what I want you to know. If that's your thinking right now, you've missed the whole point of the gospel and you don't understand it. That the gospel of grace is free, that your sins are forgiven past, present, and future, and all you have to do is take possession of it. But that's for you to decide. And many people don't because they're still trying to live life their way. That I'm gonna try it my way. I might adopt a few of the Jesus things to my life, but this is my life. I wanna do it my way. I wanna have my way of thinking it. But when you receive Jesus, here's what happens. The spirit of God comes into you and you begin to lay down your way and take up his way. Doesn't mean you do it perfect. Doesn't mean you know how to do it perfect. But over time, God will show you. He will guide you. He will direct you as long as you continue to pour point your heart toward Jesus but you have to make that decision and it's a decision that requires some bravery it's a decision that requires some courage and Jesus said in Revelation 3:20, behold I stand at the door and I knock if anyone listens I will come in and what that what, what that means is he stands at the door of your heart today and if you'll receive him by faith your sins are forgiven the Bible says that you're your, your eternity is sealed with God, but that's your choice. Will you go your way or will you go his way? Will you say, Lord, your will be done, or will you say, no, my will be done? That'll be up to you. God loves you so much, he respects you and leaves that to you. We're gonna pray in a moment, and if you've never received Christ before, he offers that free gift, that grace, and you just have to, by faith, receive it. 
And here's what I want you to know. Why would you put that day off? Today's your day. As Jesus knocks at the door of your heart, because he, he knows that this was the day, there was no mistake. You would be here today, you would hear that message, and you would sense his presence knocking at the door of your heart. Don't harden your heart to it. Invite him in. Let's pray.